Coming up next on The Jeff Curley Show, are you guilty of overparenting or underparenting? There's a difference. We'll be talking to a leading national expert next. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Crilly, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. So my kids are grown now. They both work for me here at Real News. But I had a confession. I, I am guilty of underparenting. I wanted to be their best friend. And uh, so I was the all-loving dad. And, and the chore of uh, disciplining the kids fell to, to my ex-wife. But uh, I can hear, tell you that there is a difference between overparenting and underparenting, and you've got to find that right balance. To talk about that, Kristen Hatton, she's an author, counselor, and founder of Redemptive Parenting. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I look forward to this conversation. Of course. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your journey. How did you sure. become um, kind of a parenting expert? Well, I have three grown children. They are um, young adults now, but when my oldest was going into middle school, we moved from Texas to Oklahoma and we knew no one. And so I really wanted to help cultivate for her a group of friends. And so I started a Bible study, but I couldn't find curriculum for that age at that time. And so I um, started writing my own curriculum, which led to my first book. Um, and then in that process, my daughter ended up sharing with us that she was struggling with an eating disorder. And I just thought, gosh, I mean, she's got everything going for her. She has two parents that are married and love each other and love her. And she's doing well in school. She has lots of friends. Uh, and so I just kind of went on this you know, rabbit trail and ended up writing a book because I did an anonymous teen survey that went out nationwide and learned that girls everywhere were struggling. And it didn't matter if they were in public school, private school, homeschool, whatever the situation, big city, rural area, and really social media was a big component with that. So that led to my second book and speaking a lot more to parents. Yes. And so as I began speaking, hearing from parents, hearing their own struggles, not necessarily eating disorders, but just what they were dealing with, I really realized how many parents stay hidden with their struggles because they look around and think everybody else's family is perfect and that somehow you know, they have it all together and their kids aren't making mistakes and, and that they're failing. And so they, you know, have a lot of shame around that. Sure. And so there is a need for counseling. And that led me to going back and getting my master's in counseling, continued speaking, continued writing. And it's just kind of evolved a path I just had no idea that I was sure. getting on. Well, you have a, a very successful uh, practice and speaking career. We're going to pull up your website so we can scroll down it and talk about um, the types of groups you like to speak to. What, what are, who's your, your key audience? Sure. I, um, I love to speak to parents of really any age kid. I mean, zero to 18 primarily, but also, I mean, it's, I always say it's never too late. And so even parents with young adults 
you know, I speak to. Um, in counseling, I really work a lot with teenagers and then also their parents. So just kind of a diverse audience. I mean, I speak to 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 teenage girls, teenagers at times. Sure. Now she she brought this book in, Parenting Ahead. Uh, but I should tell people that you are a prolific author. We're going to pull up your Amazon page and just show <laughs> some of these books. You've got four books out. I that, do. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thank um, you. Do you have another one in you, you think? Uh, maybe. My publisher just asked me that recently. And you know, you just never know. And I think that's what makes a good book is, is when something bec you become passionate about something. Sure. And it just, it, it just comes to life. Chris and I am so impressed with you. I wrote one book some 20 years ago and it almost killed me. <laughs> so so uh, I want to also make a confession. So the kids moved down from Michigan when they're, when they're teens. And I think I made the, the worst mistake any parent can make. I, I was the all-loving father and I put my wife, Victoria Snee, in charge of the discipline. And she's the stepmom, which was kind of a no-win situation for her. I, we should have gotten together on the parenting style, shouldn't we? Well, I've learned a lot through parenting myself. I mean, there's no perfect parent, and we do the best that we can, right? And we, we have good intentions. We love our children. So yes. we're operating out of a, a well-meaning heart, but sometimes it doesn't. It's not the best. And so is there, uh, you know, you get together and you huddle and say, this is how we feel about this, so the kids don't end up ping-ponging between mom and dad? Sure, yeah, you need to have a united front for sure. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the overparenting. Okay, so overparenting would be what you would equate as helicopter parenting. So it's the swooping down, taking care of things. Um, again, well-meaning, it really... Beneath that is the parents want um, happiness, success, um, and so th there's a lot of control, over control. And um, so they don't let their children fail. They take care of things. Um, and, and we think that we're helping them because we're kind of protecting them or putting them in a bubble wrap um, so that they don't experience adversity. But what we were seeing in research with college students and young adults is they're falling apart. A lot of the anxiety, depression, low self-efficacy, um, suicidal ideation, these things are stemming from Kid, young adult kids who have grown up and they don't feel equipped to handle life on their own because parents always just took care of it for them. Right. And parents come from a good place. They just want to, they want their child to have a better life than they did. But you, sure. by lawn mowering over every obstacle, you're not really helping the kid, you're are you? You're not helping them. No, you shouldn't do for them what they can do for themselves. Absolutely. Uh, I also want to talk about like shaming because there's a lot out there. Uh, and I think many people kind of wrestle with, you know, am I doing this right? My neighbor does it a different way. In fact, I want to brag about Chris Kristen. She has uh, just dozens and dozens of videos out there. And this is one that addresses that. Good morning. I'm out here by the Bush Library, a little oasis in the middle of Dallas. But I'm jumping on here because I've heard from several lately about how hard it is to swim upstream as a parent. You're feeling like, why do no other parents have curfews? Why did they not see that these, say, homecoming plans don't make sense? Why is no one else saying no to the crazy? And to that, I would have to say, and this is something we had to deal with ourselves in parenting teens, is what is it that's ruling our hearts? As I often say, parenting starts with the heart of the parent. So what is it that is our idol? What is it that we fear? And I would say that that is the idol underneath this. Is it that we fear that our child will be upset with us and that we'll lose the peace of our household? Do we fear our child being left out? 
Do we fear losing the approval of other people who we really want to be part of that group or to be thought highly of? And so we're willing to not go with our convic convictions or not even have convictions because of our ruling idols. So I would encourage you, if you're in this boat, whether it's with homecoming type things or you have younger children, consider what is it that's ruling your heart? What is the idol? I think we'll see, bottom line, Christians look a lot like the world because so often we are bowing down to something other than God. And I think it's become even more difficult now than it was, say, 20 years ago because social media is all over the place. And people can get nasty on social media. So you post something that you think is a happy thing, and the next thing you know, you've got 20 comments from people saying, how dare you? Sure, yeah. I mean, you never know what, what you're going to get. You're, it's vulnerable to put something out there, right? Sure. I also want to talk about your faith, because uh, you are a woman of strong convictions. Um, tell us about how your faith plays a role in your practice. Sure. I, um, I really see... And, and with parenting specifically, I, it, parenting starts with the heart of the parent. And so I really, as a believer, it's, I, I can counsel anyone and I can not share my faith, but I feel like we're holistic beings. God made us. I mean, our physical being, our emotional, our spiritual, we're all connected. And so I, sometimes I feel like if I'm helping without the faith component, it feels like I'm putting a Band-Aid on something and not really getting to the heart of the issue. And so I like to really go to the depth of, of what is it that we're trusting in or what is it, like what's beneath, like I mentioned with overparenting, you know, there's something driving our parenting style. So what is that? Why are we parenting the way we are? We haven't really talked about underparenting, but I would say, you know, well-meaning parents there too, but what they're wanting is is peace and let's just keep everybody happy. And and so I, I talk about it as a believer is what's ruling our hearts? What's the idol ruling our hearts? And what are we trusting in instead of instead of God? Um, sure. So and my own, two of my own children have gone to counseling. And it was really important to me what is being spoken into them because of faith is important. And I, I don't see, I, feel, I see true healing coming from Jesus. And so apart from that, I want clients to see that, you know, strength in him and he is their true peace. And sure. because, I mean, trauma and difficulties, life is hard. And so we need a, a stronger anchor than just ourselves, our own strength. So sure. I'm always trying to point people to um, trusting in him. Kristen, I want to have people understand how you work with families. Do you uh, coach uh, moms and, and dads and kids all at the same time, or are you seeing them individually? Mostly individually. I do do some family counseling. Um, typically, though, in counseling, it, it works better if one counselor is working with the teenager and another counselor is working with the parents and then you can kind of come in together. But certainly there's lots of times and I always want to keep the parent involved um, because the parent is the number one influence. And so I want connection. And a lot of times teens are coming to me because there's disconnect at home. Mm. And so it's I, to really help them, I do need to come alongside the parent too. And so a lot of times that looks like individual sessions with the teen and then every so often bringing mom or mom and dad in for a joint time, whether it's the whole session or, or a short sure. period of time. We haven't talked about the pandemic, but I, I think it's hard to talk about parenting without talking about the pandemic because uh, we shut down the world for about a year or so, uh, put kids in remote learning. Uh, they're separated from their 
from their friends. Uh, what are you seeing uh, as a coach and speaker that the fallout continues from the pandemic? It does. And depending on the age of the child, when that happened, you know, it kind of is indicative of what those struggles are. So I'm seeing, um, gosh, kids that were early middle school, young teens, and there's just that disconnect. They hadn't really formed their social, you know, emotional attachments with their friends. And and, and now it's, it's very isolating. I see even on college campuses, we're very much more individualistic. We're just not as connected. There's a lot more fear and insecurity. Sure. Um, social media plays into that as well as that time of the pandemic. Um, just not knowing how to connect really with peers sure. and, and that fear. I know you've uh, helped countless families and it's hard to pick a favorite, but do you have any examples that come to mind of a family or a, a child that you've worked with? Yeah, I mean, I end up just like falling in love with everybody that I work with. Um, it's really rewarding to see someone come in, especially if they've experienced trauma or significant just family dysfunction and then to to over time see that change happen um, and there was a particular person that um, really was having great heart she had undergone a lot of trauma um, and didn't have a relationship with one of her parents and um, just to see like to know what it was like at the beginning um, she would sit on the couch and barely look at me and it was just you know really hard to pull her out but over time um, just how she would come you know bouncing into the room and um, just everything about her countenance changed sure. and just what that relationship the mended relationship that began happening between she and her parents um, it, it, it's a long, especially with teenagers, it can be a long road. I know parents often want a quick fix, but um, depending what they've gone through, it it because they're teenagers and they have to, you have to gain their safety. You know, sure. I mean, they're not going to just start opening up to me as a stranger initially, and so you just have to be patient and just love them where they are without judgment. And tell us about the process. If someone's watching this saying, I think I just found my, my counselor, <laughs> uh, they contact you through the web and then do you have a sit down or a Zoom to see if it's a good fit? Sure. I, so I work at men's counseling here in Dallas. Um, oftentimes people reach out to me directly, but they can also call our office. And I'm happy always to have like a 15 minute consult to make sure I'm the right fit. Um, but typically we kind of determine that on the phone and then they'll come in for an hour intake appointment, and then we'll establish some goals and, and go from there. Outstanding. Uh, final thoughts. What would you like to leave people with? Well, um, I think just for the parent, just encouragement, really, because I, I sense that parents everywhere are struggling, feeling like they're not doing enough, they're not measuring up, they look around and think everybody else has it together. And I just want to encourage you to be present with your family, slow down. There's all this hustle and bustle and striving. And I think we lose sight of the very people in our household that are right in front of us. And they need our undivided attention, our seeing them. And too often we're in the same house, but we're, you know, we're multitasking. We're on our laptops and our child is saying something and we're not really seeing or hearing what that child is, is saying. So I would just encourage you that, and, and if you make a mistake, apologize. That is the number one thing I hear from kids all the time that, that they see their parents make mistakes, but then they never apologize. But it's, we don't have to be perfect, but it's how we handle that repair or, or not. 
Oh, Kristen, I can see why you're so successful. We're going to end with the website, which is kristenhatton.com. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.